1: More than 9 million people in the UK have experienced some form of loneliness or social isolation this year. This is only amplified during the festive period. This Christmas Day special episode of No Really, I'm Fine, we'll be talking to just one of those people who have been left feeling completely alone. We'll be speaking to the non-for-profit organisation or community interest company based in Midlands that's working with their family to tackle his isolation. Later on, we'll also be speaking to the campaign to end loneliness and the work they're doing to break the trend, and also how people with mental health conditions can counteract loneliness throughout the year. First of all, we'll meet Di. She's one of the support staff that works for Appoint Us Services based near Coventry. For this service provider, working with people to tackle loneliness and isolation has become one of their main services that they provide.
0: now to Bedworth, to a gentleman called Roger. He's partially sighted. Uh, when we first took this call on, uh, his family asked us to help out because the one daughter does a lot of his care. She's primarily his carer. Um, and I think it was getting a, a little heavy for her. So Roger wouldn't go out at all. Uh, he just wanted to stop at home. He's, he quite depressed about losing his sight Um, so when I went in and we chatted quite a bit and I suggested that we go out for lunch one day and ever since that day that's all he likes to do now so he loves to go out to the pub and he likes his wine and he'll either have a bowl of chips chips because people in his eyes don't realise that he, he is blind and just lately now I've got him off chips and we're eating some bacon sandwiches.
1: And, you know, is it is it right that, you know, if there wasn't you and um, Roger's daughter, you'd probably be the only people that would, that would see Roger?
0: Yeah, definitely, because he'd just become a recluse, basically. He didn't want to go out anywhere. He's got a good rapport with us all, um, Emily, myself and Lee, that goes in. And we all bring something different to the table, but... Primarily, his main objective is for going down to the pub, the local pub, for his lunch and a couple of bit, a couple of glasses of wine. So,
1: and I suppose it's I suppose it's about finding something that works for everyone. So, if going to the pub works for Roger, then that works, and that gets him out of the right. house, and he's not as lonely anymore.
0: Yeah, and and not only that, he's he's actually meeting people that's known him for years. Roger used to be a teacher. And he's meeting friends that he's known for years because they recognise him, so they're coming over to to see Roger, and uh, it just puts a big smile. And then he'll start telling me. I'll ask questions about that particular person, so it's it's bringing him back into the community. Whereas before he'd, he'd just become locked in his his own four walls. So it's lovely now that. You know, we can go in there, all the staff know Roger, you know, we've got our own table that we go to, and it's it's just lovely to see a different side of Roger now, a more relaxed Roger, as opposed to didn't want to do anything.
1: (laughs) We'll meet Roger in a moment, but first of all we went to find out a bit more about how this community interest company has been working for the last five years to break the stigma of loneliness.
2: I'm Julie, I'm the director of Appointers Services, we're a Midlands-based community interest company.
1: Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about how Pointer Services all came together?
2: Okay, Appointers was formed in 2014, really because of a need for people in the community to have services that worked for them rather than tick box services, very, very passionate about people having a right to to get their outcomes achieved and we wanted to make that happen for people. So what we started out to do was to provide an advocacy service, so to speak up for people that were underrepresented, and a, an appointee service to manage money for people, but actually there were far more needs than that, so the ethos of the business has completely changed since we started, and our biggest service is now support services, so combating isolation and loneliness, providing socialisation services.
1: And how does that differ from sort of your normal sort of care companies that, you know, either um, ones that are run by councils or ones that are run by private companies?
2: Okay, so we don't provide personal care. That's the big difference. We provide anything other than personal care. We never will provide personal care. There's lots of people, like you say, out there doing that. But how we differ is we provide a very bespoke uh, service. So it's built around that individual because we're all individuals and we all want something different from life. So we don't do tick box services, we don't have a box at all, we kick the box away. So, we look at what, what will work for that person. We don't do 15 minute in out calls. We do a service that works for that, people, that person. So, on one day, it could be an hour. On another day, it could be two. On another day, it could be a half a day. It's whatever they want on that, on that particular day that benefits them.
1: And you were talking about how you've sort of now seen a rise in more services for people who um, are lonely and are maybe isolated. And that's become one of the biggest part of your services. Why do you think that is?
2: It absolutely is one of the biggest parts of our service. I think everybody is very, very busy um, doing what they need to do. People are busy working, people are busy whatever they need to do, and they forget about people that are on their own. But I have to highlight that it isn't just people that live on their own that are lonely. It could be people that live in in care institutions, such as residential or nursing care homes, where staff are often under-resourced and don't have time to give people one-to-one attention, which we all need now and again. So one of our biggest... uh, customers are people in care homes and nursing homes and we take them out we give them coffee we take them into the community and give them a bit of one-to-one time
1: it's i don't i don't know if this is maybe the right word but it's a it's quite sad that these places where it's quite a sad thing to think about that these places where like care homes where they they are providing care for them and they're not able to do that and then you guys have to step in it's quite a, a sad reality
2: I think it is and I think generally care homes provide a really good standard of care for people but care is different to social interaction and a carer might you know walk past somebody and say hi how are you doing today but they don't have resources or time to sit with somebody for an hour and to chat with them and that's kind of where our service comes in into its own really we're not there to undermine care homes or anything like that we're there to offer them and their residents to uh, support and give them better quality of life.
1: And this sort of thing that you do this is you know when you came about thinking about this were you sort of looking at any other people thinking oh they were doing it like this or was it actually the complete opposite there was no one doing these sort of services?
2: I think our service model has been based on um, poor providers that we've seen out there and providers that aren't funded to provide the sort of service we provide so a lot of Contracted providers are only allowed to go in and out to somebody for fifteen minutes. Well, fifteen minutes in somebody's life out of a week is nothing, really. So we wanted to offer a bespoke service that worked for that person, and I think we are rarity um, in the services that we provide. Um, in fact we've just been up for uh, national community business of the year for that very thing
1: you mentioned before that you sort of think completely outside the box and you kick the box away and what what are some of those outside the box i think you mentioned before about pet therapy and things like that tell me a bit about that
2: okay we don't just provide uh, support services we provide pet therapy and creative therapy so sometimes people even when they're lonely, don't want to talk to other people, um, or they might have communication difficulties. So by taking some of the animals that we have in, so we have a variety of dogs and a little Shetland pony, and also um, seasonally baby lambs, People will talk through animals rather than talking to people and it's very moving to see somebody that's had non-verbal communication for a number of years actually verbalised to a dog. Um, it's just amazing to see, you have to see it to believe it. It's wonderful. And then our creative team will go in and they'll do percussion, dance, music from around the world creative things so one of the things that jade's been doing obviously over the last few weeks is helping people to make their own christmas cards to make their own christmas decorations and things and people love doing that you're not going to sit in your own home and and be motivated generally to make your own christmas cards or ornaments but jade going in and doing them with them it's just massive
1: um, just finally, I don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to add about the work that you do or, you know, how important this service is and, or, and and I suppose about loneliness as well.
2: I think that the work we do is very, very important. If anybody chooses to look at our website, you'll see the the genuine um, comments from people, testimonials on our page about the difference that it makes. We, are, we pride ourselves in the difference that we make, um, not just being paid services, but actually in the giving back to the community that we do. Um, I think people need to recognise community interest companies and their value. Everybody knows what a charity is, everybody knows what a limited company is, very few people actually recognise what a community interest company is and it would be great if there was recognition and funding out there for community interest companies to grow and and to provide this brilliant service.
0: Hi Raj. how are you lovely? What I'll do, I'll carry on and do all my chores. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll just get on and do the chores, and then Maybe I'll you leave you with. Questions. Okay. Leave you with Michael. Have a chat. Right. Be happy with that. Yeah. Do you want a cuppa. I
1: will have a cuppa. Yeah. Um, hi, Roger. We obviously sat in your home today, and we're having a visit from Di. Do you, Do you get a visit from Di quite often?
3: Di comes twice a week. There's a young lad called Lee comes twice a week. My daughter comes twice a week, and a girl comes only once a week
1: you You get your visits from different people, and you know yeah. they come come and see you on as. you know how important are these visits for you?
3: Well we normally go out we mm-hmm. normally go out for an hour, which makes a change which makes a change from sitting in just going out for an hour and what, an hour and a half
1: and what do you like to do?
3: you know just go to the local pub and have something to drink and something to eat.
1: <laughs> and is, is 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 that what you like to do? Is that something yeah. you enjoy?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it gets you out from the four walls.
1: When you have these visits, it's probably sometimes the only people that you might see. Um is that right?
3: Uh some days it is, yeah. Yeah, some days. Mm-hmm. My daughter pops in about four times a week though, so, you know. But it's nice to go out. And we go out. Say every time they come, really, they can stop in and get you a meal, or they can go, or we go out. so We go out.
1: With you losing your sight, has that been you know? Is that been a real hardship for you?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I Find it really, really hard. Yeah, I do find it very difficult because can't do anything. You can't watch the television. You can't read a book. You can't. You can't really, but you can't do anything. I can't do anything really. The only thing I can do is press this. The the time. So them coming in and taking me out, and they all me hand and lead me to the way I've got to sit. is very helpful, you know, because I couldn't do it myself.
1: Di, obviously, um, just to bring you in now, with you coming here, you know, a few times a week, you know, how important do you think? you you coming in here and the and the team from Appoint Us coming in here is for Roger?
0: I think it's very important because it gives Roger the independence that he's looking for and we're, we're able to do what Roger wants to do. If he wants to stop in, we stop in, which is yeah. very rare. Yeah. But you like to get out of the four walls and we do encourage that, don't we, Roger? Yeah. You like to go out as well. I like to go out, makes a change, stopping in all the time. That's it. Yeah, so we go out. So we always have a good... A good laugh, natter. a good natter. We like talking politics, don't we? Yeah. And putting the world to rights. And then we have our, our sing-song sometimes to our oldies when we come back. Yeah. One of them being, we've made our own tune now, don't we, Rog? Which is? It started with a chip. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roger always had the a bowl of chips. There. So, yeah, we were singing the hot chocolate song and then Roger decided we changed the title so it's now called
3: it started with a chip
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think if if we wasn't here because Jackie works obviously Jackie can't be here 24/7 but i think the input that we put in for Roger is massively important um and i think without us being here Roger would have probably just sat here looking at four walls and getting quite depressed wouldn't you Roger
3: well, i have certainly been sitting in the four walls, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think you look forward to us coming, don't you? Look forward to going out, really. Yeah. And I think all of us that, that come to see Roger, we all have something different to give Roger. Yeah. So it's not the same old mundane with one person. We, You have a choice, don't you? Yeah, it's three
3: people,
0: isn't it, really? Yeah. Twice a week. Bye, lovely. Thanks, just See you Bye. later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: So, we just left Roger's house now. um, And on a normal day, not today, but normally you'd be sort of, once you finish there, would you be heading to other clients as well?
0: Yeah, I I would, today, I would be going now to Nuneaton. So, there's one that I do in Nuneaton. Well, there's two in Bedworth that I've got, which the other one would be... I do them on a Wednesday, so they're both together, and then I do Nuneaton, so they're all close together. Then from Nuneaton, I head over to Leamington, Warwick, and then that's my day done then. So we try to keep it within a range that you're not traveling crisscrossing. you know. We try and keep it within the area that you're travelling towards home again.
1: And you, talk, you were talking about, before, you were saying that you speak to... Are lots of different people, and you know, people who live in isolation, and mm. and you going in there can be so important, wow. life changing,
0: tremendously life changing, and that's what we're here for. You know, people shouldn't live in isolation. You know, they should be brought back into communication, no matter what what they are or or what's going on with their lives. You know, we all deserve to be in a communication
1: Um, I don't know if it's why you wanted to you were chatting about before about the story of another client that you had
0: oh right Um, yeah so um, the client that I went to see on Sunday he's been in hospital now for probably three weeks two to three weeks Um, he's not very well at all and when I went up there he was very lonely really he he just didn't know he was wandering around not knowing where to go so we sat and we chatted for a good two hours and then I noticed the TV so I asked him if he'd like some TV and he said well I've got no money and I said well don't worry about that I'll do that for you and once I'd put the TV on it was almost like he was a different man and he could watch his TV programmes because he always used to watch TV Um, and then on me leaving he got up and he asked if he could have a hug, and it was almost like a sense of relief what we'd done for him, and that's what we try to aim for. If we can make some somebody happy by one little thing, by putting some TV on for him, then let's do it.
1: We just left um, Roger's house as well, and yeah. you know, you could I could tell that when I was speaking to Roger, there was sort of almost a. Not so much of an embarrassment, but there was a bit of treviness to actually talk about loneliness. And maybe that's another issue as well, that people, they don't want to talk about these yeah, sort of and, things.
0: And, and Roger didn't talk about his loneliness. He wouldn't. And I think with Roger as well, he tends to lock a lot of things in. It, it takes a while for him to get the trust. Once, he, once he's, he's got the trust, he's, um, he'll open up. But unless he doesn't know you, I find that Roger will... He's like a closed book. You have to ease him out gently. So I think by you going in there, because he didn't know you, he's only going to tell you what you want to hear, basically. But loneliness was a big part of it when we first started. I don't think so much these days, because he's got something to look forward to every day. You know, he knows today he's looking forward to Jackie going round. So he'll go and do the shopping, and then they go out for something to eat. Um, And then Jackie comes back, and she spends time with them. And then tomorrow, he'll get up, and he knows that we're going to be turning up, and he's going to be going out again. So the loneliness now, he's looking forward, because he knows that he can get out of the house for a bit, even if it's for a couple of hours, you know, so...
1: And I suppose that's a lovely thing about what you're doing, is that you're trying to make progress where... You know, other people and other services might not be able to do that. Might not have the time to do that. They
0: don't have the time, and that—that's just it. We have all the time that we want, um, and we—we we can give what other people can't because they're so busy and they have so many people on their books that they can only give fifteen or twenty minutes. Whereas we—we we can actually give an hour and a half, or two hours, or even longer. in in some cases but that's the difference between us and them we can give them that time and we've got the time and the patience that Roger needs and if he doesn't want to do it today he might not do it till six months later but we're there to encourage, encourage, encourage and bring him back into the community alright he's lost his sight but he's still got his brain, he's still got his sense of humour and he has got a lovely sense of humour and we have no under laughs, just the two of us, when we go out for a meal. So it's, it's just lovely, I think. It's just lovely to give something back.
4: My name's Daniel Patterson. I'm Head of Communications at the Campaign to End Loneliness.
1: Dan, first of all, could you start by telling me a little bit about what loneliness looks like in 2019, you know, in a world where we're supposed to be more connected than ever, but, you know, loneliness still exists and it's very rife.
4: Yeah, so there are 9 million lonely people in the UK. We believe about 4 million of those people are older people. And we're often asked, like, similar questions, um, and the word epidemic is often used around loneliness, and there is a sense that we are recognising how much of an issue loneliness is. But the research actually shows that per capita, loneliness has remained the same for about 30 to 40 years. So we get a lot of questions about social media, you know, has it connected us, has it disconnected it. But in reality, the number of us experiencing loneliness has remained roughly the same our population is larger and many of us are living to later stages of life which means there are millions more lonely people than there were 30 to 40 years ago but percentage-wise for the population it's remained about the same and i think that's really interesting
1: so what do we do about it You you know you're you're this is a very broad question but you're you know you you're you've got part of a massive campaign to end this epidemic as you said you know so what in a brief sense, can we do about it?
4: If you think about what loneliness is, it's a gap between the social connections that you have in your life and the social connections that you need. And while that as an issue can seem insurmountable, loneliness is something we can all do something about. There are people in our lives, maybe on the periphery of our lives, it could be neighbours, it could be colleagues at work who are experiencing loneliness right now and there are things that we can all do to be more mindful of that. If there's an older neighbour in your street who, you know, lives on their own and maybe has suffered a bereavement, is there a way that you can sensitively ask them how they are and invite them around for a cup of tea? Is there a colleague at work who seems a little bit on the periphery of some social groups that you can bring inside? I think loneliness is a massive issue in so much of our society, but it is quite an easy solution there and that is to be more mindful of how we can be more open more friendly and more encouraging to bring people together and to make new friendships and foster new connections
1: um we're obviously a mental health podcast and loneliness and isolation aren't necessarily sort of your straightforward mental health conditions I mean, actually would you would you label them as mental health conditions do you think
4: So, loneliness isn't technically a mental health condition. Um, It is a subjective experience. So, whereas something like general anxiety disorder or depression, you can have a diagnosis. And as much as those things are very different for different people, loneliness is a much more subjective experience. Um, And that makes it really difficult to detect and it also makes it quite difficult to treat. There is no drug that's going to solve loneliness um, but similarly you'd say that about depression I think but there's not much that people can prescribe on a mass level it's something that requires solutions from every aspect of our society um, and that is partially governmental that is partially organizations like ours but it's also members of the public and the only way that we can tackle loneliness across the country is for every aspect of our society to try and do something
1: We have loneliness and we also have social isolation, and those two things are different, is that right?
4: Yeah, that's correct. Um, If you are experiencing social isolation, you are more at risk of experiencing loneliness. But there is something really interesting here about loneliness, about the actual definition of loneliness, and that is to say that some people seek isolation, they seek solitude, And they don't mind the fact that they maybe haven't had a conversation with another person for a few days. Loneliness is the negative shadow side of that, which is that overwhelming pain at not having those connections and those friendships and that support that we all all do need as people. And I think social isolation is a really key trigger point for recognising loneliness if there are people who are older especially who are living on their own who perhaps live in rural regions where there's not a lot of transport or in a city where transport can be quite expensive or can be quite intimidating to a lot of older people Um, that is for a lot of people working in the loneliness space a really key issue because if you recognise social isolation in key scenarios like that you are more likely to pick up if someone is lonely or not. And as we said at the start of this chat, loneliness is quite hard to recognise. It's something that people need to be encouraged to reflect on and self-identify because it's not something that you can easily go in the street, oh that person's lonely. It's something that needs to be asked and if you look at social isolation it is going to mean that the person involved in that social isolation is more likely to be lonely but doesn't necessarily mean that they are.
1: So loneliness you know, isn't a mental health condition as as per se but Actually, people who have mental health conditions like depression, they may be more um, vulnerable to, to becoming more lonely and isolated as well. Is that right?
4: Yeah, totally. My own experience of mental health issues, um, I have general anxiety disorder and experience depression. That can be a massive knock to your confidence. And one of the most difficult challenges that people who are experiencing loneliness face is a lack of confidence. And when those two things are combined, you can see how the choice to be out there in the world and to be making new friends and making connections can be really difficult if you're feeling unconfident in your mental health or you're feeling unconfident about just simply making those connections with people. And I know from my own life, what it's like when I'm experiencing bad mental health, I you know, I struggled to go to the shops. I struggled to have that exchange with someone in the shops um, and that affects your confidence. Um, and one of the real challenges that lonely people face is is overcoming that, and I think it can be difficult for people. But um, the only way to really challenge that in yourself is to get out there and and try and do that.
1: That leads me nicely onto my next question: is just to sort of say, you know, what sort of signposting do you guys do? Because you're not you're not you're the, the campaign against loneliness isn't a isn't a service; it's a campaign. So what sort of what, you know when people come to you? What? What? Where do you take them to next?
4: Yeah, that's right. So we're an awareness-raising organisation. It goes a little bit back to my previous point, really, around um, how diverse loneliness is. Um, Samaritans have a fantastic helpline, of course, as the mind. And I think a lot of the calls we receive and a lot of the questions we're asked from people who are experiencing loneliness, that's where we direct them to, because they want to speak to someone here and now. A lot of the time they just want to be listened to. And that is something that Samaritans and mine both do. But loneliness is something that is very dependent on intersectionality. If you're an older person, your experience of loneliness is really different to your experience as a younger person. And it's about signposting people to those right places. So if you're an older person um, working with uh, ageing charities and later life charities like Independent Age or HUK, who do provide tailored services and can provide support with younger people, it's a little bit different. It feels like we're at the beginning of a narrative that's actually going, oh, lonely lonely people are young too. Um, and that's been a change in the last couple of years, I think, really. So for me, there is a little bit of a lack of services and helplines that younger people can call. Um, Samaritans and Mind uh, and an organisation like the British Red Cross seem to be picking up a lot of that stuff.
1: Just before we finish, we wanted to share a little more about the great work that Julie, Di, and everyone at Point of Services are doing to help those who have had a challenging time in their lives. Listening to these sort of stories really does fill you with the Christmas spirit. And what do you think it is that you do that separates yourself from, from the other care providers?
2: As a community interest company, we give back to the community and that's our passion. It isn't about making money, it's about making a difference and making a difference to the community. And I'll give you a couple of examples of that. We recently were through to the uh, Community Business of the Year for one of our projects, which was pulling a wedding together within seven days for two of our clients. So they had a care provider, a tick box care provider, who hadn't got time to take the the lady out to buy her a wedding dress or to get all her wedding stuff together? So within a week, we managed to get her a wedding dress, a veil. Um, a local organisation volunteered to do her hair for her. A nail provider did her nails for her. Somebody made and um, provided a cake we were donated things like a night in a hotel a wedding breakfast the people who did the wedding breakfast were kind enough to provide prosecco we pulled together an absolutely amazing day for them we did lots of photographs for them they had albums from it and we had presents donated for them so they had things to open to see that come together with the dedication of my staff team and to see the look on their faces that's something that they will have forever uh, and it and it took us Little time, little effort, but made such a big difference. One of the projects we're working on now and into the new year is is providing something nice for nurses. Nurses do a lot of work they do a lot of unpaid, unsung work. And I don't think it's highlighted enough that nurses generally, and nursing staff, I'm not just talking nurses, OTs, physiotherapists, have to provide their own tea and coffee. And I don't think people are aware of that. So we're in the process of putting together hampers of tea, coffee, biscuits, cup of soup, things that will make a difference for a nurse's day. And we're also working with the chemotherapy unit to provide things for their chemotherapy patients. So we're in a, a mad round of knitting hats and things at the moment. So it's about making a difference
1: you know it's it's lovely to hear this and it sounds like you're such a lovely giving person where where do you find time for yourself
2: i don't (laughs) i genuinely don't that's what people keep saying to me you need to find time for yourself having said that at the weekend i made uh, 12 dozen mince pies iced three christmas cakes and did some cooking as well so i do but i never stop i don't ever stop and that's the reality
1: We wanted to thank you all so much for listening to this special edition of No Really, I'm Fine. We just wanted to thank everyone for listening to this podcast during 2019. We've been completely overwhelmed that hundreds of thousands of you have been listening to our podcast throughout the year. We're really excited for what we've got planned for next year. So please keep listening. And in return, we'll keep talking loud and proud about mental health. And we'll tell you that actually we are fine. Have a completely fantastic festive period and join us again next week. You can also share the love on Twitter by tweeting us on I'm Fine Podcast underscore.
2: Thank you.